Hello, everybody. Yeah, welcome. Uh, my name is Derek Arden and welcome to the 86th uh, Monday Night Live chat show. Today I've got uh, Kate Atkin with me. If you remember, Kate uh, joined us last week and gave us an interesting, intriguing insight into the imposter syndrome. In fact, I don't even think it's really called the imposter syndrome, but when I Googled it, more came up under, the, under a syndrome than a phenomenon. I've known Kate for a number of years and uh, Kate was the first member of the first ever mega mastermind group I've I ran. And uh, that was absolutely fantastic. We didn't know what we were doing, but it was great. I remember we held it in the Farmers Club in, uh, in London. I don't know why the farmers had a club in the middle of London. I could never figure that one out, but I think Kate's dad was a farmer at uh, one stage. Kate and I also went to the National Speaking Conference in Orlando a number of years ago, when I remember seeing Kate getting a photograph, a selfie with Zig Ziglar, the absolute guru of personal development, who's uh, no longer with us. Kate lives in, in the wilds of East, East Anglia, uh, uh, not even East Anglia, of the Finlands on the, uh, on the wolds of Lincolnshire. It's uh, wild and miles from anywhere up there. Well, it is for England. It's only 600 miles across, uh, from uh, one side of England to the other. Kate's going to talk us today about the imposter syndrome. I've been interested in imposter syndrome for a long time because uh, when I'm speaking on stage 15 minutes before I get this funny feeling am I really up for it can I really do it will I get found out today will someone ask me a question that I can't answer and then I have to give myself a good slap um, walk around that get some fresh air into the zone and uh, and go for it and then afterwards I wonder why on earth I did that and Kate thanks for joining us today I'm looking forward to uh, learning why I did it. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, over to you, Kate. You're welcome, Derek. Thank you very much for inviting me to be part of your Monday night live chat show. So I've shared my screen and what you'll see there is kateatkin.com slash Derek live is a dedicated web page to this evening's talk. And from there, you will be able to download the slides. So if you've got any questions at that point, uh, from there, you'll be able to contact me via my email address and feel free to put any questions or comments in the chat box as we go through the session. So Derek's kindly given me 20 minutes to give you a quick overview and as he said I brought up in Lincolnshire this was taken actually down on the south coast not Lincolnshire itself and why my grandparents I'm the middle one of three girls still wearing red and growing up yes on the farm we had chickens and geese but it was mainly arable and my comfort zone was very much in amongst the chickens and the geese I got the label as the shy one my older sister was the academic one my younger sister was the chatty one they both went to the grammar school which is where you go if you're clever and academic and I went to the secondary modern which is where you get sent at the age of 11 if you are deemed to be practical rather than academic so I internalized this sense of not being clever, not being university material. And so I didn't go to university. I don't have a first degree. But in 2013, I started my master's in applied positive psychology with my husband's encouragement. And he had to write the application form to the University of East London because I could not write it. I had a complete meltdown at that point. And I got a distinction for my first ever academic essay and then passed my overall master's with distinction. And at that point, I feel as if I should then be able to call myself academic. I'm now partway through a PhD on the imposter phenomenon and I still don't feel like I am. 
but it was during the course of my MSc that I discovered the work by Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes. And this was really a revelation to me because having thought of myself as shy, having worked on my own confidence over years, having decided that I needed to push myself a little bit like Derek described there going on stage is this piece about, should I be here? Who am I? Why have they asked me? All of these sorts of questions in my head, even though you can appear extremely confident and extremely successful. And when I discovered the writing and the research on the imposter phenomenon, it felt as if the missing piece of a confidence jigsaw had slotted into place. So I'm going to explain what the imposter phenomenon is and isn't and give you a quick overview as to why it might occur for some people and also then a couple of tips on what you can do about it. And the aim is to do all of that in 20 minutes. So what is it? Well, the first thing to explain really that actually, as Derek's already mentioned, it's not a syndrome, we should call it a phenomenon, nor are you an imposter. So the piece about being an imposter is a deliberate fraud. When you feel like an imposter, you are not a fraud at all. You're not deliberately defrauding anybody, but it's something on the inside. A syndrome itself has medical connotations. It's not a mental health condition at all. It is faulty thinking that occurs at certain points in time. So a phenomenon is a more accurate description because a phenomenon is an occurrence at certain points in time. And it happens for some people at work, for some people with certain people at work. Sometimes it's conversations, maybe now it's Zoom meetings when you've got to speak up or challenge somebody else and occurs also sometimes when you go for promotion and occasionally at home, homeschooling, working with friends, family, different situations. But in essence, it's this internal feeling of intellectual phoniness, despite the external evidence of success. It's a sense of feeling like a fraud of wondering when you will be found out. But it differs greatly from self-doubt, although it might feel similar. Self-doubt itself is normal, and I would say self-doubt is also extremely helpful. Self-doubt is this occurrence when you wonder whether or not you're going to do something right, whether it's going to go well, if you're doing it for the first, second, or maybe third time. When you've already got that track record of success, when you're doing it for the 13th or 30th time and you're still wondering whether you're going to get found out that is absolutely the imposter style self-doubt so having given you a very quick overview of the phenomenon what I'd like to do in a moment is give you the chance to do a quick poll but before I do what are the causes what are some of the problems that occur it can prevent people recognizing knowledge skills and capabilities it can stop people putting themselves forward for promotion or new tasks, and it can create high levels of stress, self-sabotaging behaviour, and is very much linked to anxiety and also depression in some of the academic literature. But it doesn't mean that people don't put themselves forward for promotion. It doesn't mean that they won't speak up in meetings. It just means if they do that, they may have this extreme inside internal level of anxiety. So it's the stress that sometimes occurs for people. Now, here's the chance to give yourselves a, a bit of a, a marking as to whether or not you think you've ever experienced this. So I'm going to launch a poll which says, with the imposter phenomenon, whether you've experienced it and it's not held you back, whether you've experienced it and it has held you back at times, you've maybe not experienced it but know somebody who has, and it might be none of the above at all. 
So I'm just going to give a few more moments for you to put your answers into the poll before we give the responses. And uh, sorry, Kate, I don't see the poll. So ah, am I the only one? You might be the only one. I'm not sure about the only one, but it's um, so I can't help you, unfortunately, as to where it is. But if you want to put your A, B, C, or D answer into the chat, we can then add you to the poll. So A I was would going to say I haven't got anything either. Okay. So, so A. A is, I've experienced it, but it hasn't held me back. B would be, I've experienced it, and it has held me back at times. C is, I've not experienced it, but I know other people who have. And D is, none of the above. Okay, so we have got some answers into the poll. So hey, It's just interesting, uh, there, there is a problem with Zoom at the moment because I can't get into the back end to let other people in. Oh, um, right. It looks like uh, 25 people have seen the poll and uh, okay. uh, seven haven't. It's just that it looked obviously a Zoom fault yep. going on at we've, the moment. We've got, we've got some A's and B's being voted for in the chat, which I can see. And what we can see in the poll itself is that A's and B's are also the vast majority of people have experienced it. And it's either held them back is the vast majority or they've experienced it and it hasn't held them back so it's an interesting look we haven't got anybody as far as i can see derek that's voted for none of the above mm. yeah that's interesting so, and in the yeah. in the in the polls it's even between a and b in the chat box as well kate right okay that's great so just gives you an idea of how prevalent this phenomenon is and what academic research also indicates is that 70 percent of people at some point in their lives will experience this so that means then there are 30 percent who don't experience it not all of them are experiencing something which is the flip opposite which is the dunning-kruger effect which is where you think you can do anything and you have got no evidence for that some people just have a very healthy sense of their knowledge their skills and their abilities they know what they can do they know what they can't do and they're happy with that and so the majority of the extra 30 percent are in that category 70 percent of people have that impact of oh am i going to get found out at some point in time um i can see grace jeffries in the waiting room derek i don't know if you can see her there she's let in i've let her okay, in okay super and so just to move on slightly with this, and we'll come back to taking some of the questions afterwards, because I know Derek is taking a quick look at the, at the questions as they come through. Some of the internal chatter may be along the lines of these four statements, and these are taken and extracted from the Clance imposter phenomenon scale, not directly extracted, but they, they link to some of the validated questions as a 20 item scale that Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes put together to indicate whether or not people are experiencing the imposter phenomenon. And Kate, just to clear that up, both mm. they, they were the people that did the original study? or They were they... the people that did the original study, thanks Derek, yeah. And that was... Uh, that was 1978. Uh, 1978, yes. okay, thanks. Yeah, so it's been around for a long time, but actually it's not been that sexy to talk about shall we say until more recently probably since Cheryl Sandberg wrote Lean In and she mentioned her own imposter syndrome as she called it there and it's been picked up a lot more recently by a lot of people who are both successful indeed as was shared by Alex earlier today to you and me Derek the link on BBC News for the um, video of people being interviewed in India experiencing their own imposter chatter and one very 
a successful Instagram influencer, as she was terming herself. Okay, Kate, I'll just stop you there for a minute, just to, just to tell everybody. On the BBC News this morning, there was a, um, a piece about the imposter syndrome. So you might want to look at that uh, and have a look at that, uh, guys. Uh, and um, secondly, Amy Cuddy, Fake It Till You'll Make It video in 2013 on TED and on uh, YouTube is a very famous video. Um, I don't, do you agree with what Amy Cuddy said? To I find what she says really fascinating. And actually on the webpage, kateatkin.com slash Derek Live, there's some links to extra things of which Amy Cuddy's video is, is one, her TED talk there. But Amy Cuddy, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm jumping in here, but I'm oh, going to lose me my 20 there. minutes, Derek. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, Kate. Um, now, Amy Cuddy said that was, it was mainly happen to women or to females more than men but that's not true is it no so going back to that 70 percent of people at some point in their lives it's roughly equally split between men and women and um, pauline clance and suzanne imes did their first research with women a lot more has been done with men too and if you look at the poll that we got today although we didn't get a gender split if you look at the number of people um, that are on this call. We've got a lot of men on this call. So they're saying, yep, me too. And I think what happens in the gender perspective, anecdotally, is that men, after I've given a talk, will go, yep, but doesn't everybody get that? And women will go, oh, that's so me. And social psychology research looks at men are generally brought up to get over, dust things down, you know, dust themselves down, get on with stuff. If they make a mistake, if they fail at something, never mind, just pull yourself back up and off you go. Um, whereas women get socialized differently. So I think there's differences there because men typically internalize success and externalize failure. Women typically do it the other way around. So they will internalize failure and externalize success. Now that's a broad description. It's not saying every single individual on this call will do it in that particular way or even those watching the replay. So these statements, when things go well, I'm afraid I won't be able to replicate successes, is this piece about in the imposter's world, this feeling of, whoa, that's great. And then you get a lurch inside your tummy, or that's where my lurch happens. And then it's, oh, and it would be, oh, crap, if I'm allowed to say that, Derek. Um, I've got to now live up to that success. So there's a fear of not being able to replicate success. When you get a compliment or when something's done well, it's like, ah, oh, that was, you know, they're just being kind, they're being nice to me rather than actually they really mean it. The absolute dread of being evaluated. So whether or not if you're employed and you have an annual appraisal, that's one of the intense points that crop up for people who have annual appraisals at that particular point. It's a significant impact on the imposter chatter in their own heads. Um, any form of evaluation, really. So perhaps, Derek, again, when you're doing a presentation and you've got an audience in front of you, it's will this go down well? Will it hit the mark? that piece going inside as an internal chatter might be seen as being evaluated and, and trigger some of the imposter chatter. And also for some people, it's speaking up in meetings because if they ask a question, they wonder whether or not they're then disclosing how much they don't know. And actually that disclosure can be nerve wracking for some people. So it just gives you an idea of some of the uh, internal chatter that's happening. Fantastic. Where does it come from, though? And there are a number of different pieces that research indicates 
causes the imposter phenomenon to occur in people. So parenting styles is one. And if you want to pop into the chat, Carol Dweck's work, Derek, if you know Dweck um, of mindsets, uh, because she's she's written a lot on fixed and growth mindsets and done a lot of research about that. And I think if you can parent now, for those of you who are parents with smaller children, then it will be interesting to think about parenting using some of Carol Dweck's research. But for me, the parenting style that I got was in essence hypercritical. It was something was never quite good enough. And so you get home and you've got eight out of 10 in your spelling test and you might get, so which two did you get wrong? And that then gets internalized as I've got to be perfect in order to be loved, not by everybody, but that's the way in which lots of people will interpret that parenting style. The hypercritical parent, the intention is loving and it's intending their, their child to be the best they can possibly be. So it's done with the best of intentions, the same as the other style of parenting, which it flipped to is hyper supportive parenting and the hyper supportive parenting is you can do anything, darling, you'll be absolutely fabulous. And that's been interpreted more recently by those who are now millennials and, and younger folks entering the workplace as I've got to do everything well. So it's quite interesting how that parenting style, although it flipped from hypercritical to hypersupportive, still hasn't been super helpful for everybody. Now, societal messages is another piece, actually just looking around and seeing whether or not you think you belong and whether you fit with the societal messages that are coming out. And I was doing a talk to GPs last week on this topic and somebody popped into the chat function. There is a female GP is still expected to be a nurse as opposed to a GP. So it's what are you being told by society and the way in which people interact with you? So when you feel like you don't belong, you look around and you feel other, whether that's from a gender perspective, whether it's from a race perspective, or whether as one person described to me when I was doing a piece in the city of London, came up to me after, she said, oh, that was so me. She said, I was brought up in a council house in the north. That's got diddly squat to do with her being able to do her job well in the city. But she felt like she didn't belong because she was brought up in the council house in the north. And I guess in some ways that's similar to my upbringing in rural Lincolnshire. And we used to joke that you need a passport to get out of the county of Lincolnshire. And I've recently moved back, as Derek mentioned. And it's quite an interesting perspective as about who you see yourself inside your head. Who are you now? And there's a piece that I work with with people about growing into themselves, accepting their knowledge, skills and capabilities as they are now. And one of the things just to mention very briefly is this lack of like role models. There's a link to Inga Beale's Desert Island Discs program on Radio 4 on the web page as well. And she says in there, she talks about she had this imposter feeling until she went to Australia, where she saw that women could be successful in senior roles in banking. And she went on to become CEO of Lloyd's of London. Wow. So how do you manage these imposter feelings? So if you're experiencing, what can you do about it? So a couple of tips before we then go on to take some questions, if that's OK, Derek. That's fine. We've got some lots of questions in a chat box. Kate. OK, Keep that's coming. So the first thing I would suggest is that we watch the self-talk. We watch how easy it is to dismiss something down to luck or they were just being kind. Or in the case of my first academic essay, they've made a mistake, but I didn't dare ask them to remark it. It was just this nervous, I, surely that can't be right. Um, so listen out for something and putting successes down to something external, luck, kindness, or a mistake. 
But then also watch the self-talk if you say, okay, yeah, I deserve that because I've worked really hard at it. Now, actually, there's an element of hard work can also trigger imposter chatter. It's not that helpful. So other people will say, oh, I'm just doing my job. There is never just, there is an I am doing my job. And then, of course, if anyone can do it, if I can do it, anybody can do it. That's not true. If you're doing it, others could do it, but you are the one who is. And so what I would also suggest is with this self-talk piece is to recognize that with any amount of luck, any amount of hard work will not help you be successful if you don't have knowledge, skills and capability. So it's actually the mix of those in amongst some luck and some hard work. Because knowledge, skills and capability without an element of hard work and without occasionally the odd piece of luck or serendipity coming your way also might not make you successful. So think about a blend of those things when you watch yourself talk. Then the other thing I would suggest you do is to note down positive feedback that you get. And I would guess that many of you on this call already do note down your positive feedback. So we could do a quick poll in the chat and just see those of you who keep your positive feedback, just put a Y into the chat function. And those of you who don't keep your positive feedback, put an N into the chat function. So just have a quick off the cuff poll here into chat. We've got a number of Ys. This is sort of what I expected. So we've got a couple of no's there, a few more no's coming in. And some people don't keep the positive feedback because it's too excruciating to reread. I remember talking to one lady and she said, oh, I got a gorgeous email thanking me this morning from somebody, but I deleted it straight away. She couldn't bear to keep it. And it's quite interesting because it doesn't fit with the internal mindsets. But if we're aiming to overcome the imposter phenomenon, we need to change the internal mindsets and the external evidence is one way that you can do that. So keep your positive feedback. Now, for those of you who've put yes into the chat I've got another question for you to quickly answer so whether or not you if you keep your positive feedback have you reviewed your positive feedback in the last three months for something other than an annual review some sort of you know appraisal with somebody else have you taken a look back over your positive feedback in the last three months if you already kept it that's an interesting question. Um, when I was co when I when I coach people to negotiate their salary, I tell them to keep a log every month of everything they've achieved. Send it to the boss three weeks before your appraisal as a position report, yep. statement of fact, just yep. in case they'd forgotten. Just out yep. the blue. Just um, so um, yeah. It's, it's an interesting point. And I noticed Gabrielle's popped in there. You review it when you're feeling fed up or down. Absolutely. It gives you a great boost. But if you do it more regularly, the chances are it can really help change that internal mindset. And, and when you review it, this is the other thing. So some of you have put yes. Most of you have put no about the reviewing of it. But those of you who do review it, when you do so, it's very easy if you've got an imposter mindset to go, ah, oh, yes, but they were doing this. Yes, but it was hard work. Yes, but it was down to, you know, luck 
actually what we need to do is start to yes and the positive feedback. Yes, and I learned this from that, that uh, particular event. Yes, and I use this particular skill at that particular point in time. So internally, you don't have to yes and it to everybody. You go, yay, aren't I great? It's actually an internalization of acknowledging that you do deserve that positive feedback, that you have created it and start to then change the mindset. And one of the things with positive feedback, Derek, I've heard somebody else suggest as a tip is that at the end of every week, you email a buddy one thing that's gone right that week one thing that's happened that you think is really positive that you have done and that buddy emails you and then you've got a collection of weekly emails of things that have gone well what a great idea kate uh, you'd have yeah. to you'd have to do that with someone you totally trusted you? i totally agree totally with you on that trusted. yes yeah. yeah but it's got to be a good a good buddy and actually one of the things another thing about um from a trust perspective to help overcome the imposter chatter is to start to talk about it but to start to talk about it that also must be with somebody that you totally trust and because you're revealing something internally about saying Do you know I don't feel as if I'm good enough here I'm wondering whether or not I'm, I'm a fraud and I'm going to be found out and when you talk to that person the thing is if somebody talks to you about their imposter chatter please do not tell them they are amazing you can tell them why you think they're amazing, but amazing is like, what, you? No, surely not. You're amazing at da-da-da-da-da. That makes the other person's imposter chatter feel even worse. So if you're choosing to open up to someone about your imposter chatter, what you want is somebody who will listen to you. You don't want somebody who will tell you how amazing you are. You might want somebody who will help you unpick all the successes that you've had in your life, but please don't choose somebody who will just give you that accolade of amazing. I'm going to finish Derek at this point and then we'll open it up to questions by showing a quote for, from Brené Brown, which is you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you can't choose both. And as people may remember from if you were on the last week's call, I'm at the moment currently partway through a PhD looking for participants to take part in my academic research on the imposter phenomenon. I'll just pop the um, link to the survey in the chat function. I'm particularly looking for people from the finance and insurance sector, but if you're from any other sector, feel free to take the questionnaire as well. But what I'm also interested in is the role that courage takes when we're overcoming the imposter chatter, because we have inside, I think, and this is my piece of research, we'll test and, and bear me out or not, is whether or not I think we need to be courageous. We need to actually get uncomfortable at times and be courageous in accepting who we are, even if that means we're going against some childhood messages, which was something like, don't get too big for your boots. You know, nobody likes a smart ass and those sorts of things. So we need to have some courage to combat some of those messages. Now, Derek, conscious of the time. So the last slide is again, a reminder of the Derek live chat you can download all of the slides which also have a couple of suggestions there for further reading from that Derek live page and I will stop the screen share and happily open up to questions I'll, um, I'll, I'll um, read out some of the questions in the uh, in the chat box um, Kate um, I'm the newest member of the Golden Gate Breakfast Club we've got six people on from San Francisco here I was elected about an hour ago and I'm the first international I'm the first international guest but Kate, they've asked you if you would speak at the Golden Gate Breakfast Club because they were oh. so, they loved your, Tony, the secretary has put in the chat box, would you do this for the Golden Gate? Oh, wow. I think that so, would be a real honor. 
So make sure you don't get any imposter chat yourself, Kate. That's all right. Like, I'm, already, I'm already blushing with it. It's like, oh my God, I can't possibly do that. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, right, I'm going to go down these questions in order. Yep. First of all, Alex asks, are there any types of people who are more susceptible to the imposter syndrome? So Alex, would you like to just unmute and tell me what you mean by types? Um, well, it's however you want to interpret it, really. <laughs> Well, okay, so I was wondering whether you meant personality types. It could or be personality whether... types, it could be, I think you've covered men and women, for example, but it could yeah. be. Uh... Okay, so men, anybody who has grown out of what they were expected from a childhood, you know, anybody who stretched beyond their childhood expectations, I think would be a type of person. Um, there are There is some research that correlates between well, actually, there's a low correlation with extroversion. So it's not significantly correlated with extroversion on the big five factor personality model. Um, so in, in other words, introverts may experience it more, those with an introversion preference. Um, and that's the, there is also the there is, as you might imagine, a significant but also not massive correlation statistically with neuroticism. So from another personality type in the big five factor model, that has a correlation too. So thanks for that question, Alex. Yes, it's, um, that. that's the sort of intuitively, but I felt, but uh, yeah. there's a research behind that then? There's... So there's two, there's definitely a number of pieces of research that link to the big five factor model. Yes, I haven't got those off the top of my head, but uh, I can add those into the webpage afterwards, which yeah, I'll make a note Thank to you. do. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Kate. I'll, uh, I'll move on as the uh, Prime Minister does. He doesn't allow second questions. Alex, I don't know how you sneak that in. Someone got, uh, got into trouble on the 5pm show the other night when I was watching it. Tony from San Francisco says he knows two people have had it. Two of his clients, a successful husband and wife team who owned a software company, but both suffered from it. Janice would like to know what those two references were. Can you put them in the chat box? Um, Okay, Clan, Clanson and Eames. Well, I popped those into the chat box earlier. Yes, oh. so Clance and Eames, 1978. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and Tony was listening to a book on presence, on presence by Amy Cuddy. That's not uh, yeah. a book that I've seen. I need to get that then. In that case, she mentioned the uh, original study. Um, the 17 minute YouTube video from Amy Cuddy is hugely funny because it's got all sorts of body language-ish um, uh, things on it. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And shows you how to <laughs> feel confident in two minutes. I've mentioned this on the chat show before, but, you know, just putting your hands on your hips genuinely works. And I'm the um, I'm um, an open minded skeptic. That's how I describe myself. I, I don't believe anything until, uh, the... anybody tell, proves it to me. But um, once yeah. they prove it, it's um, it's on. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you now, Derek, because I think also there's something about sitting when we're sitting on Zoom meetings or or whether we're sitting just typing onto the computer, we're very much more hunched over. So it's easier to let that self-doubt come in and particularly being isolated at the moment, not having a colleague to turn to, not having the external validation as you walk down the corridor with somebody giving you that quick pat on the back for the comment that you made in the meeting, something like that. I think it's very easy to let that imposter chat to rear its head a bit more at the moment. So we need to make extra effort to give ourselves that level of, of assurance, I think. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we've had Ali, Ali the physio on us several times telling us to stand up straight, stand up every 17 minutes, stretch your back, uh, go for a little walk around, of course, because uh, uh, the mind-body connection is instant. 
as we as we know. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Nancy says, and this is an interesting question from Nancy. Do you think women talk about it more than chaps? Um, certainly, um, I don't think the men I know, the alpha males I know, would talk about the imposter syndrome. We keep that up our we we uh, keep that as a secret. It's an interesting point. I think you might also question as to whom might you talk about it because you might talk about it to your best friend who might give you that positive stroke and say oh but you're great and that still doesn't help you overcome the imposter chatter because you don't talk about it to your work colleague or to your boss now I've had some feedback last week following a presentation that I gave last November and the clients asked me to rework with them and the lady said that she was she was booking me to redo the session and she said she went into her meeting with her boss the following week after listening to me and said you know what I'm experiencing this imposter chatter and I feel every time we have these catch-up meetings I feel at some point you're going to find me out at some point you're going to discover that I'm not really doing my job and he said I feel like that too when I go to my boss and she said she had the best meeting with him she has ever had because she opened up about it so I don't think either men or women talk about it perhaps in places where it really matters I think maybe women will talk about it more to their friends because that's perhaps more of the thing that women will do but I don't think it's where it really matters so I think we all need to talk about it more where it matters. Okay thanks thanks Kate for that and uh, Alex has put the BBC link into the chat box as well at uh, 519 if you want the link to look at uh, that uh, which was on the news today. Alex says parents have a lot to answer for going referring to your your part uh, Kate, when you said that uh, we've been programmed. And then we the also have a lot to answer for because we need to grow into ourselves. So we're not, we are the products of our parenting, but we are not the same person that we were when we were young. We've learned so much. We've built our knowledge, skills and capabilities up. And I think this piece about, for me in particular, the one thing that's really helped me in overcoming my imposter chatter is to look at myself this time last year to now compare myself to myself is to recognize that how much we've changed during the course of the pandemic how many skills that we've managed to do what we've managed to learn bring online uh, project ourselves differently there's so much that we've done and it's not just in this pandemic year but previous to that too and I'm not the same person that I was when I failed the 11 plus I'm not the same person I was that I passed my CSEs my certificates of secondary education and <laughs> then didn't do my I just did my sort of a couple of a levels um and it's that piece of we need to recognize that actually as adults we have responsibilities for owning ourselves yes we're the products of parenting but actually as adults we can own ourselves here's a little tip for you um Kate 15 minutes before you go on stage in front of that big audience uh, do what uh, do what I do have a look at my own book and read it and um <laughs> just uh, look at my own testimonials and uh uh, and Mark Quigley is he's a fantastic golfer the more I practice the luckier I get from Gary Player now I'm moving down all the yes and no's and there's a lot of yes and no's there's some boths sometimes I forget uh, uh, I review when I'm feeling fed up or down that's my own uh, testimonials etc um, yeah Carol's updating her website for testimonials not doing it for herself and, and um, that's I found when I was updating my website, I had a, a revamp and Derek, you commented on the latest colours and it's about a couple of years ago now, but that update of the website meant that I reread the testimonials. I was choosing what to put up on there and actually I'm going, oh, 
really. And what you can see when you update a website, when you look through the testimonials that you've got, is actually threads of common feedback. People will talk about things and the language becomes common if you read a number of them. And those are your strengths that you bring. So there's also a link on the web page of um, links to strength profiles if you're interested, because other piece of research shows that playing to your strengths helps you overcome the imposter chatter too. So thanks Absolutely. for that comment about websites. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Gabby says, um, we used to have supper with the kids and ask the question each each evening to strengthen the muscles. That's what you've done well, I think. David Skinner says, um, he's put five lines in here. That's not a short, sharp question, uh, David. How do you distinguish between the imposter syndrome, a feeling that you don't have the capabilities and the fear of failure or, or rejection? Or do you see them as different versions of the same thing? Possibly different versions of the same thing. What I would just mention when I did my research for my MSc is when I asked the 12 entrepreneurs that I was interviewing then about the imposter phenomenon and entrepreneurial self-efficacy, I asked them specifically about failure at one point. And they came up with a phrase that for me was a bit like, oh, and 10 out of the 12 said that failure, they struggled to find one. And they're going, failure? But there were a number of things that didn't work, learned from them, moved on. And my mind went, you can view failure like that. Wow. And I know it might seem a bit daft. You might have thought I'd get to that earlier. But actually, I think we need to reframe failures as learnings. So it's that piece about just looking at the possibly facets of the same thing, but also they could be separate. And we'd have to look at the individual perspective in that to know the difference. Absolutely. There's a lot of learnings from NLP that we can take away here. Uh, NLP, self-talk, you talked about, you know, that little monkey in your head, yeah. turning it, well, turning it into a monkey, you know, uh, and a monkey voice. <laughs> voice etc uh, being programmed by our parents uh, you know someone from a council house uh, can't succeed uh, I remember an uncle of mine telling me that you don't want to get promoted in Barclays Derek because with that will come more stress and uh, more issues he worked for the uh, Daily Express for one of those really horrible editors and uh, I can mm. see now why he said that to me but uh, that was his world not my world um yeah. janice says i think passive parental messages also play a big part she was told why don't you apply to be a maths teacher not that anything's wrong but being a maths teacher but she wanted to be more than that betty says deep breathing is important so uh, that was to do with our posture mm -hmm. uh, fake it till you'll make it well a physio will tell you to stand up uh, uh amy says can you remind us of the difference between self-doubt and the imposter syndrome so quick reminder of that difference is self-doubt is where you are doing something for the, I'm saying first, second or third time, and you don't have that external evidence of success. Imposter style self-doubt is where you've got the external evidence of success and you're still wondering whether or not you'll be any good. Yeah, uh, Tony says he plays Wagner's uh, Rider of the Valkyries. I play, I, I play Wow, I Feel Good by uh, James Brown. I'm much more, uh, much more basic than, uh, than... I played Bill Withers' Lovely Day the other, the other day. Yeah, to that's, start a, that's a good one. You can Google one. what are the best pieces of music uh, to play. It's important that the words and the music, if it's a pop song, are uh, positive as well. Uh, Alex says two tips to help with self-talk. Uh, consider getting a coach. Yes, of course, or a mentor or just... Uh, a friend 
that you can trust to give yeah. you positive. And there's research that shows a mentor helps people overcome the imposter chatter. The slight difference there from a friend is that the friend, you know, they've got a vested interest in you. And it's this mentor that doesn't have that vested interest that I think is important to have that separation. So I don't know research specifically on coaching, but there's definitely research that shows that a mentor is. And I think just because there's a difference in the role a coach and a mentor have. Um, so the mentor is there to yeah give you that level of well we know they get they get blurred anyway i've already had so many debates it's about coaches and mentors and books <laughs> on the shelf and one book contradicts the next one the other one but uh, we won't go into that um alex is nodding so he agrees with me i'm watching the body language uh, um betty sits up in bed at night and reads the testimonials from her clients no she didn't say exactly <laughs> that, betty i was only uh, i was only kidding but she uh, loves to read them and quite right Craig from San Francisco, I just get it out the way right away and, <laughs> and tell everyone I'm a post, an imposter and I know nothing. That sounds like the uh, dummies smart uh, routine from uh, Colombo, doesn't it? Peter, Peter Falk, that fabulous actor I'm a big fan of and yeah. use that, uh, in, I use that a lot. Uh, it, it, sorry, sorry come back there that piece about Craig. It's whether or not it causes you high levels of stress and anxiety. So for me, I used to get crippling stomach aches before doing presentations. The adrenaline would kick in, my stomach aches would disappear, I'd perform well, and then it would stop and my adrenaline would disappear and I'd go back to having crippling stomach aches. So if it doesn't cause you that high level of anxiety, then by all means say, I'm an imposter, I don't know anything, and you can be fine with it. But if it is causing you internal stress and anxiety, then change the thinking would be my suggestion rather than accept you are an imposter, because I don't think anybody is. Unless no, you're absolutely. a fraud, I think a true fraud phenomenon with people that are doing, sticking their head above the parapet, actually. Sticking mm. their head above the parapet. Yeah. Now, uh, we've been going for uh, nearly 45 minutes, so we're nearly coming to the end, Kate. I'm going to uh, switch the um, switch the video off and uh, and then open it up to other questions. But Kate, have you got one last tip for uh, people watching the video? Oh, Derek, one last tip. I think I've given you all, all of, well, not all of my tips. You've given um, me a lot, Kate. I know. The, the piece is, I think it's about checking in with yourself whether or not you are experiencing genuine as comes back genuine self-doubt or whether hang on a minute have I got evidence that says I can do this if so what have I done before and let me review that how did it pan out what did I do with it and just help in some ways it's a bit like mentoring yourself or coaching yourself help yourself overcome the imposter chatter it's easier said than done and it is helpful if you can talk to somebody else about it Kate, remind us how anyone that wants to talk to you about this can get hold of you. So the web page that's linked to this particular session, kateatkin.com slash Derek Live. And from there, there's also my mobile number and email address on that web page. Fantastic. Kate, thanks so much for joining uh, my live chat show, Monday Night Live. I hope you'll join us again. Thank you, and, Derek. Uh, thanks for all those tips and all, all that information. Absolutely fantastic.